Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Everybody, it's William Powell, a.k.a. Mr. Ubiquitous, a.k.a. your host from the coast, a.k.a. the king of D.C. media. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. And now, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, federal employees, what would you do with $1 million? Your wishful thinking can become a reality. We're Fed Choice, and we're here to help you achieve your million-dollar dreams. From saving you money on a loan to helping you save for retirement, visit us online at FedChoice.org and use the keyword inside FedChoice Federal Credit Union, an official sponsor of the Inside Acting Radio Show. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. And remember to follow me on Twitter at forward slash inside underbar acting and Facebook at william.t.pal. And be sure to read DC Actors Examiner, a fantastic column all about the acting business. Find it by Googling DC Actors Examiner. Tonight's guest is Debbie Goodman, a member of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, otherwise known as the folks who put on the Emmy Awards. So I see that Debbie has dialed in, so let me just bring her right on in. Good evening. Hi. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So how did you become a member of the Academy? Well, it was about 11 years ago, and I was taking a screenwriting course at our local university, and I was taking a dance class at our local junior college. Um, I happened to be browsing online one night, and I came across the Emmys. And it was an advertisement for their upcoming event, which was called Behind the Scenes of 24. If you remember the show starring Kiefer Sutherland yeah. and Dennis Haysbert. Okay. So I thought, now how do you become a member of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences? So I read through the rules and regulations. It's not easy. It's not like you could just say, hey, I want to be a member. So it just turned out that I qualified because of my academic background at that time. As I mentioned before, I was taking a screenwriting class at the local university. So I was able to join at that time as a student. And I have been a member ever since. 
And between the time that I applied and my first trip down to Hollywood, I live about three hours and 15 minutes away from Hollywood, which literally is probably how long it takes people to get to work in Los Angeles that live in Los (laughs) Angeles. You know, it's like, so what's the difference? Everybody says, you live so far from L.A. I said, what's the difference? You know, yep. it takes that long for people <laughs> in L.A. to get to work in L.A. So um, anyway, I hadn't been down there in, in eons, even though I have relatives in Studio City. So I contacted them, and I said, where's a good hotel to stay? You know, I want to come down for this behind the scenes of 24. They said, you're not staying in a hotel. You're staying with us. They said, it's around the corner from us. Studio City and North Hollywood are very close together. So I went down, stayed with relatives I hadn't seen in a long time, and my cousin drove me to um, the Leonard H. Goldenson Theater, dropped me off. Um, I was a little nervous. I didn't know whether I'd get in because they, when you RSVP, of course, they always overbook because not everybody shows. So I was afraid, oh, my gosh, I might not get in, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I got in, and these were some of the nicest people I've ever met. You know, I thought everybody in Hollywood was going to be a snob, but nice people, nice manners. And I talked to people in the audience, and then the four actors came out, the four main actors of the show, which is Kiefer Sutherland, Dennis Haysbert, Carlos Bernard, and I can't remember the other guy's first name, but I think his last name is Woodward or Woodard. And there's a moderator on stage, and they ask the actors questions, and the actors respond. Well, afterwards, um, I went out into the lobby because they always have little desserts for us afterwards, and it seemed like there were about 500 people crammed in there. And I was getting a little bit claustrophobic, so I decided to go out the back door and stand there for a while Mm -hmm. just to kind of gather my thoughts, catch my breath, and I began talking to one of the limousine drivers. Very nice man, kind of reminded me a little of um, uh, James Earl Jones. Uh Kind of looked a little like him, him, kind of sounded a little like him. Well, anyway, he got a phone call. He says, I've got to go. So he gets in his limbo, and I turn around, and I start to walk back into the theater. And out steps Dennis Haysbert. And I start walking towards him. Now, you have to understand that this was January. And in Mm -hmm. January, my skin tone is that of a fluorescent light bulb. I kind of (laughs) glow in the dark. Well, not only that, I was wearing a long black velvet duster. And I was wearing black velvet pants. And I was wearing a red and black velvet. It actually gets very cold down there at night. It it can be warm during the day, but it's actually very cold at night. So here I am in my black velvet and my glowing white skin, and I'm walking towards him, and you should have seen that man's face. It dropped from a big grin to where his eyes were darting back and forth looking for a way out to run. Oh, no. Um, because in Hollywood, there actually is a group of people that consider themselves, and they're very quite serious about it, they think of themselves as vampires. They dress the part. They either wear the fake fangs or they actually have their teeth done so that they look like fangs. And I huh. think that he thought maybe a one of those vampire people had won, gotten lost and wandered over from Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hollywood, it, Hollywood's actually not right next to North Hollywood. You know, it, it's really weird. There's West Hollywood, there's North Hollywood, there's Hollywood, and I don't think any of them are really connected. Mm. 
So anyway, that was my first adventure um, after joining the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences as a member. Huh. So now tell me about the voting process for the shows. How often do you get to vote? And that's a once-a-year thing. In fact, I've just you're you're going to laugh because I just got the Emmy magazine that contains the um, DVDs that are for consideration. I haven't even opened it yet. Haven't even opened it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> See, I produce my own TV show, and when you produce TV shows and films. You spend hours and hours and hours during the day doing that. You don't have time, much time to watch TV at all, which is why I have Comcast on demand. That way I can catch up on the weekends or whenever I have time. Yeah, yeah. So for the benefit of my audience, talk a little bit about what producers do. Producers do everything. They start from the very top. They are the ones that have to, well, I came up with the concept for my TV show. Okay, then you've got to run it by some people. Okay, you know, how how are we going to get this on the air? And they like the idea. Then you've got to get a crew. You've got to get your camera people, your sound people, your editors. You've got to get your talent. The producer does all this. They basically are that top-of-the-pyramid person that oversees everything. I, You know, I, I've got to be honest with you. Before I became a producer, yeah. I would watch TV and it would always say produced by or uh, co-producer, executive producer, uh, assistant producer, they, all these producers. I said, what do these people do? Uh, but you'd be amazed at, uh, at what it takes, what goes into making a TV show. I have a co-producer who serves as my camera operator. She travels with me when I go to L.A. We went to Atlantic City in January uh, to Alan Goldberg's big martial arts convention, um, which was great. It was great fun. I had never been to the East Coast before. Hmm. So that was my first trip, and it was so much fun. I mean, it was a whirlwind trip. We were constantly on the go. We napped. We didn't sleep. We napped. Now <laughs> again. And then it's because, okay, we've got to go to the, the wine tasting tonight, and we've got to be here tomorrow, and we've got to go do this, and we've got to – by the end of the trip, we were ready to kill each other. We'd been together for five days. Yeah. And it was like, I don't want to see you for a couple months, you know, kind of thing. Um but when I get back home, and then I've got other people that help me work on the show. I do most of my own editing, but I always like for someone else to look over it to see if they can suggest where I can make some improvements. And oftentimes it's just in color correction. It's in uh, the audio, the volume. You know, They can hear things I can't. They'll say, oh, do you hear that little uh, that little whistle in the background? Do you hear that little buzz in the background? It's like, uh, no, I'm glad you caught it. Um, so that's what a producer does. And I'm more the ideas person. I'm not so much the technical person. So I can crank them out. But it is the post-production that is very time-consuming. Yeah. 
Very much so. I come back with tons and tons of footage. It's like, okay, now you have to put it together so that it looks like a TV show. Right. Uh, Oftentimes when I interview people, they can ramble on for hour and a half, and I only have 28 minutes that I can show. So I've got to decide what's the best thing that they said. You know, you cut here and you cut there, and, and you put it all together. Um, another thing that we have to do is we have to have our talent sign release forms um, because people get mad at me when I conduct a bunch of interviews and I say, okay, I'm conducting five interviews. We're going to put them all together and it's going to be on this 28-minute show. Well, someone's mm-hmm. interview might get cut for whatever reason. Um, I have people that really don't have much experience in front of a camera and mm. they'll look every yeah, they'll look every which way and I'll be wrapping it up saying, well, you know, gee, thanks for talking with me. Thanks for being on the show. And all of a sudden, they remember something they want to tell you. And they look at the camera and they go, oh, I almost forgot to tell you. It was my Sifu's birthday the other day. It's like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and keep, go- keep going and going and going. <laughs> yeah. I, I produce uh, Martial Arts Mania is my baby. Uh, that's the one that's the most successful show I have going right now. Um, last year, I got a phone call. I was doing it mostly locally here in Fresno, and maybe if a celebrity martial artist happened to come through town, I would interview them. I got a call from a film producer in Hollywood, and he was coming out with a new movie called The Martial Arts Kid, and he said, would you like to come down and interview my stars? Cynthia Rothrock Don the Dragon Wilson. Well, of course, I knew who they were. I'd known who they were for 25, 30 years. And I said, that would be great. Well, the problem was, he said, well, let's see. Cynthia's available on such and such a day. Don is available on such and such a day. But they're never available on the same day. I said, oh, great. Okay. So I decided to see just how much clout I had. I'd been dying to get an interview with James Liu. James Liu has been in probably more than 80 movies. He got his start Mm. with the uh, original Kung Fu TV series. He was about 20 years old at the time, answered a cattle call, got to be one of the Shaolin monks at the uh, Shaolin Temple in the uh, TV series, and he's been going ever since. He was going to be a pharmacist. But uh, that was my little golden ticket right there. I wanted that interview with James Liu. So I knew that uh, the producer knew James Liu, And I said, if you can get me an interview with James Liu, I'll come down when he can do it. And I said, whichever one of your stars is available on that day, that's who I'll interview. He says, well, James Liu is the stunt coordinator on this movie. I said, well, win-win situation, right? Well, not only did James Liu give me an interview, he invited us to his house and made dinner for us. Mm. And that's kind of the way things are done in Hollywood. My um, co-producer was a little leery. She's young. She's 25. And she says, we're going to this guy's house. She says, (laughs) what kind of creepy situation are we getting into? Right, exactly. It was just wonderful. He was a great host, great cook. Um, He's a very mellow guy. Very, very mellow. Don the Dragon Wilson, on the other hand, has the energy of a 12-year-old. I mean, he bounces. This guy is 60 going on 16. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he looks he looks 20 years younger.
younger than he actually is. And he's just like a Ferrari engine, just constantly going. Just go, 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 go. Um, <laughs> Don has become one of my, if not the top guests on my show. So Don and I now are actually talking about just doing a show together, he and I. We're still working on what sort of format we want to do. Um, so he's in Germany right now. And the next time I'm in L.A., which will be in a couple of weeks, we're going to discuss what we're going to be doing. Fantastic. Yeah, Don has starred in over 30 movies. Starred in over 30 movies. He's been in more than that. Fantastic. That's great. That's great. So let's jump into uh, Down by the River. Tell me about that one. Down by the River. Uh, Here in Fresno we have the San Joaquin River flows through town. Okay. A lot's gone on with the San Joaquin River through the years. We have a dam that's been built, uh, but also there was a point in time where they wanted to build, that they wanted to just basically stop it and build down in the riverbed. Uh, But the San Joaquin River Parkway has worked to keep the river. So they have a big river ranch house that was donated to them which they've um, refurbished and turned it into sort of a museum. And there's a little half-mile trail that a lot of little kids can go. They have, like, school bus tours that come out to see it. Um, Because a lot of kids, you wouldn't believe how many kids are just really never exposed to nature. Hmm. And kids just go nuts over it. Um, So my contribution to the San Joaquin River Parkway is basically to give them a little publicity. You know, let the world know about it. Um, I have a really good editor right now. He's a 19-year-old kid. He's going to Fresno City College. When he has time, I give him footage. And I'm going to have him put together the footage that we have shot out at the uh, San Joaquin uh, River Parkway River Ranch House and enter it in the Sundance Film Festival. That's really great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump back to the the Emmys a little bit. So, you know, there's a lot of shows out there. And I wonder, are there some shows that didn't win Emmys that you wish would have? Well, oftentimes the show wins, but a particular actor in the show doesn't. Um, Kiefer Sutherland, it took him quite a few rounds before he finally got the Emmy for 24. Yeah. Um, it seemed like the it was nominated every year. He was nominated every year, but just wasn't quite getting it. Finally, he got it. Um, I'm still waiting for John Hamm to get the Emmy for Mad Men. <laughs> uh, that's that is a fabulous show, especially if you're in your 50s or 60s and you remember. Those times, you can identify. It's like, hey, we had that piece of furniture. I remember my parents had suitcases like that or whatever. (laughs) It was a great show. Love it. I only get addicted to one or two shows maybe a year, and that's definitely my show, Mad Men. Absolutely. I I was just down in Hollywood last month for the farewell party. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I know was it the last season uh, they had – 
Well, I think Joan's daughter was watching Sesame Street. I said, oh, okay, I remember Sesame Street after about five. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, like, 1969 or 1969. 69, 69. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two or three, something yeah. like that, yeah. <laughs> None of the people had been born except for maybe, is it John Slatterly, the white hair yeah. man. He was born in like 61. Um, okay. You know, yeah, John Hamm wasn't born until the 70s, and I know Christina Hendricks wasn't born until the 70s. And yeah. So it's kind of fun, you know. They're playing roles about a time that they never knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're getting down about seven minutes, so... So let's talk a little bit more about TV. So what, in your opinion, what's uh, three of the best shows on TV now? Oh, gosh. Best shows on TV now. Okay. Big Bang Theory. Hysterical. Um, of course, Mad Men is Nashville. I really wish Nashville had been around when I was in my 20s because I was actually dating – um, a country western musician here in town, and that's where he is now. Is Nashville? We both sort of lived our dreams. Yeah, he went to Nashville. I went to Hollywood. So, and we've recently reconnected through Facebook. In fact, one of the nicest compliments I've ever gotten was he didn't realize that I was who I am because I didn't look old enough to be who I am. <laughs> yeah. Because I mentioned well, that the nightclub where he worked, where we met, he said, and I have a very common name. I mean, it's almost like, you know, David Jones or Susan Smith. So I could have been just another Debbie Goodman. And I started chatting with him after he'd accepted my friend request. And I said, you know, I really miss the old Jim's Place days. That was the name of the uh, country western nightclub where he worked, Jim's Place. And uh, he said, were you even around during the Jim's Place days? <laughs> had I even been born yet? And I thought, oh, my gosh, that just takes about 20 years off of me. So, and then he finally realized who I was. So, yeah, um, Nashville, I've I tried to get into that new kind of scary one. What is it, Wayward Hills or... Wayside Hills or something. One with Matt Dillon. Grove? No, I don't think it's that. I just saw an advertisement for it, too. But Matt Dillon is one of the lead uh, Oh, oh, Wayward Pines, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, Wayward Pines. Yeah. Okay. Kind of trying to get into that one. It's just not quite grabbed me yet. Hmm. Yeah, I heard it's like, kind of like Twin Peaks. Takes a little while to, for it to grab you. I can tell you some of my favorite shows from the past. Sure. Okay, this is going to sound really corny, but one of my all-time favorites was Here Come the Brides. Came out in the late 1960s, Bobby Sherman. Um, hmm. Oddly enough, when I was a kid watching Gilligan's Island, you know, everybody liked Marianne. I wanted to be Ginger. Uh, oh yeah and as I got older you know one of them that I used to actually stay home on Friday nights to watch was called Midnight Caller do you remember Hmm. Midnight Caller do not I do not yeah it it took place in San Francisco it was a guy that had a midnight 
talk radio show. Uh-huh. And and his engineer, the guy in the engineer booth, was played by Dennis Dunn, who was one of the lead characters in Big Trouble in Little China. <clears throat> hmm. um, loved Midnight Caller, and it was only on a couple of years. Um, huh. Another one was in the heat of the night because a friend of mine was on the show. Uh, Alan Autry played the character Bubba. And Alan and I are actually working on a film right now here in Fresno about an MMA fighter. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I can't talk too much about it because it's still in production, but um, I have a couple of roles in it. Sometimes Great. you'll see me yeah, in a in a crowd scene, and then I play a reporter. Oh, fantastic. That's that's mm-hmm. what's up. Okay, so we're down to about three minutes. So uh, you kind of touched on uh, one future project. Uh, so what other, other projects you have coming up? Oh, gosh. I've, let's put it this way. I have a lot of irons in the fire. Um, I'm going to be going down to L.A. We're going to shoot a show called Dragon Fest. And what that is, it's basically the Comic-Con of martial arts. Okay. And that is in, yeah, and that is in July. And then in August, I'm supposed to go down. Uh, you know who Al DeCoscos is? Mark DeCoscos, the Iron Chef. He plays uh, Wolf Fat on Hawaii Five-0. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Mark, yeah. Yeah, Mark's in a lot. Um, Eric Lee wants to roast Al DeCoscos. And so a week after my birthday in August, uh, they're going to have that down in Los Angeles. So I will be filming that. Uh, afterwards, I'm going to be working on just some some short films that I want to enter in film festivals. I'm usually in my own films also. I usually write myself in. Uh, it's not a superstition. It's it's not a superstition like Alfred Hitchcock, who, by the way, is one of my all-time favorite directors. Um, it's just that most of the things I've written were things that actually happened to me. So I feel that I need to either play myself or if it's a younger me and someone is playing me, I play an older role of someone else. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a convenient way to, uh, well, to kind of involve yourself in the story more, and like you say, if uh, if you if it's something that you went through years ago, you know, if you're older, you can kind of play the, I guess, the old version that says, "Hey, don't do that, don't don't mess up like I did." Yeah, um, I've been encouraged to write the story of my life as a yeah. screenplay. Uh, people are already interested, and I'll just give you a quick rundown. Um, Seven years ago, my mother passed away. A week after she passed away, I got a strange note in the mail, the old-fashioned serial killer-type notes that are clipped from the newspaper, uh, Mm. saying that she was not my real mother, which I thought, boy, that's a strange thing to do to somebody right after the mom's passed away. But I said to myself, it wouldn't wouldn't matter if she wasn't anyway. But I thought, how odd, how odd. Anyway, I talked about it at her memorial service, and nobody said anything. Nine months later, I get the second note saying, many of us knew your real mother. Ask Ronnie where she is. Well, Ronnie's my older brother. Okay, so now I'm thinking, this is really a crazy person sending me this stuff. 
So I went down to the Hall of Records here in Fresno, and I got my birth certificate. Now, if you are an adoptee, your birth certificate is sealed. Your records are sealed, okay? At least they were back in my day. Well, I explained Mm. to the woman at the counter, I said, uh, I need my birth certificate because somebody keeps saying I'm adopted. Well, she pulled out my birth certificate. She said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, you're not adopted. Look, it says County of Fresno across the top. If you were adopted, it would say State of California. So on my way home, I decided to stop and see my aunt, my dad's younger sister. And I mentioned it to her. I says, but I'm not adopted. She looked at me and she says, oh, yes, you are. Mm. Okay, Debbie, we're down to about 45 seconds, so... Okay, well, then we'll just have to look for my movie to come out in a couple of years. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I really thank you for coming on the show. Definitely have you come on again. You know, Don the Dragon Wilson was uh, definitely on my list to have on the show in the future. Uh, You see Alan Autry and these guys, it would be great to have them on one day. But uh, it was a great interview, and I really thank you for coming on the show. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Okay. Hey, you have a great night. All right. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. And let me leave you with this quote from Sir Anthony Hopkins. The art of acting is not to act. Once you show them more, what you show them is, in fact, bad acting. Good night.